0: a desert planet with twin suns why do i sense we've picked up another pathetic life form use my knowledge oh. much to learn you still
1: welcome back to twin sun talks folks i'm your host jonah Liu. thank you so much for listening and welcome to this month's edition of the ability to speak does not make you intelligent
2: the ability
0: to speak does not make you intelligent
1: On this month, we have a returning guest, Mr. Caleb Oliphant. Caleb, how are you?
0: I'm doing well, thank you.
1: Of course, of course. And then on for the first time, we have Mr. Luke Preston. Luke, how are you feeling?
2: I'm feeling great, excited to be here.
1: Excited to have you, excited to have you. Um, Okay, so Luke and Caleb are both very good friends of mine. Uh, We go to the same college. They're a few doors down in the same uh, community as me. And uh, I'm excited to have them on and talk about some Dune versus Star Wars. But before we get into that, Luke, since this is your first time on the podcast, I'm going to need a profile of you as a Star Wars fan. So what I'm going to need from you is your favorite movie, your favorite character, favorite TV show, and if you could have any lightsaber, what color would it be? Um, so hit me with those.
2: Yeah, my um, favorite movie, I, I told this Jonah earlier, um, kind of a traditionalist. Uh, episode four. I think you just got to go with the original. Mm, uh, strong. Kind of hard to beat. Um, then favorite show. Um, I also, I don't know how you could not choose this, but Clone Wars is just the best. Agreed. I, yeah, I think Jonah agrees with me on that one. Um, <laughs> I think Caleb me disagree. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and then character. Again, I'm pretty basic and also I don't know how I couldn't choose uh Luke Skywalker. I'm you know Luke or I don't know. Um yeah, kind of basic over here, but um and then lightsaber color, again, I would go with green because green is an excellent color and it is Luke, but so <laughs> every I, every Halloween I dress up as Luke Skywalker. That's just like my
1: and It works so well, and I really respect that about you. And I mean, yeah, I I think that that's a great. I mean, that's just solid, you know. Like, it's nothing too fancy, but it's also just like, there's nothing bad on there. So I I really respect that, Caleb. What was your show again? Are you the Mandalorian or?
0: Yeah, I said the Mandalorian. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah.
1: Respect. Um, yeah. No, I mean, can't really go wrong with that either. But um, okay, awesome. Well, like I said before, we're going to be discussing Dune versus Star Wars. And uh, for those of my listeners who aren't familiar with Dune, I'm about to explain it. So without further ado, let's dive into ARC Trooper training. Gentlemen, who wants to be an ARC Trooper? Isaac! So I'm just going to go through, I didn't write anything down, I'm just going to go off the top of my head and just kind of give a brief synopsis of what Dune is. And if y'all feel like I missed anything, you can feel free to kind of fill in any gaps that I leave. Um, But basically what Dune is, it's a... A science fiction novel by Frank Herbert, and I think it's really fantastic. I read it for the first time recently uh, this past spring uh, in preparation for watching it in theaters uh, when it re-released for the Oscars. But essentially what it is, is it's sort of a space opera that has a lot of really cool political intrigue. Um, It's set on this desert planet called Arrakis. And it follows a noble family called the Atreides as they sort of gain control of this planet and navigate any of the uh, political espionage that is associated with that within the confines of the political theater of this universe. Uh, it's set like ten thousand years in the future or something like that, um, give or take a couple thousand. And um, yeah. it's so it's it's very advanced society unlike star wars it's set in the future rather than a long time ago and um essentially there are these uh bad guys called the harkonnens who betray house atreides and the main characters are essentially forced to assimilate with the native population of arrakis called the fremen and um these people are like very they're almost like Sort of like what you like Native Americans in American history, where they they are very in tune with their environment. They know how to su- survive in it, and um, they have a lot of tricks of the trade that they teach to these uh these nobles, and um, it's it's a pretty interesting storyline, and obviously it culminates in a very exciting uh, finale in the in the book, um, which we haven't seen the movie yet, but um that's kind of like, I feel like the major story beats without giving too much away. Uh, do y'all feel like there's anything else worth mentioning before we uh, get into it? I have a fly on my mic.
0: A couple comments that I'd probably make about, uh, Dune is it was written like back in, I believe the forties. Oh, I can double check. It was published in Uh, um, 65. Oh, 65. Yeah. It was one of the first like science fiction novels that really took off. Um, before Dune, science fiction was, like, a very niche genre that not many people were interested in. Yeah. Dune was kind of the book that, like, made science fiction big. Um, mm-hmm. And so a lot of people consider it, like, the Lord of the Rings of sci-fi, a very defining work in um, the history of sci-fi. Uh, there's also two movies. I don't know if we're planning on talking about, like, the movies as well as the book. But mm-hmm. there was a movie made in the 80s. Um mm-hmm that's kind of really weird I've seen it before um, kind of and then there's also too, yeah. the one that yeah just came out this past year um, that was very good but mm-hmm. that's all yeah no
1: I'm open to talk about the movies I was planning on talking about at least the one that came out this past year but I'd love to hear your thoughts on the 80s one I've heard that it's wild I haven't I haven't ever actually watched it but um but yeah I yeah it's very defining and obviously as we're gonna talk about there are a lot of similarities between dune and star wars and a lot of inspiration that george lucas um drew from that uh, and put into star wars which is pretty cool um but uh luke do you have anything to add before we kind of move into this comparison session
2: um i think i'll just add um some kind of basic stuff like in dune the main character's name is paul um, i know mm-hmm. i'll be talking about him a lot um Besides that, I don't think there's anything I thought of that was super important. Um, I just know that's Paul kind of... is important to know. He's kind of like the main kind of character throughout the book,
1: yeah. uh, and I'll be yeah. talking
2: to him a lot. So,
1: no, most definitely, that's that's really important. And as we do these comparisons, I'll kind of explain the little terminologies that, um, as, as they arise. Um, but. I mean, I, I'm kind of going out of order, but I would say the most like congruent with the Dune storyline in the Star Wars universe is probably, in my opinion, the Book of Boba Fett. If y'all would, I, I don't know if, if y'all agree with that, but I mean, kind of the idea of the guy who was kind of outcast from society and taken in by the native population and kind of taught their ways and kind of changes his perspective as he re enters society, that sort of thing. And also, obviously, the spice trade and all that stuff was pretty prevalent in that. Um so I think that that's where I saw the most like sort of direct inspiration and sort of blatant story beats from that movie uh, shown. What do y'all think about that?
0: I hadn't thought about that. That's actually very like, that is a good observation. I was like in my mind thinking about like episode four, just cause like I was thinking that the empire, like the Harkonnens, it was mm-hmm. like Sadakar, um, which are, um, a group of elite soldiers um that kind of just like i don't know reminded me of like just like the empire army well trained yeah. and intimidating so but now that you're talking about it definitely the bit with like being trained by the natives changing the perspective that's one of the biggest things about dune um and paul's journey and so i think that's a good comparison
1: yeah totally yeah man,
2: i think um the way that both in dune and star wars is kind of like you know they're kind of forced out into the desert, you know, Mm -hmm. by, you know, their circumstances. And they kind of, you know, stand off with the natives, you know, at first, you know, um, in Book of Boba Fett, he's, you know, taken captive by them at first and kind of treated awful. And then kind of like comes around and same kind of thing with them, you know, like in the dune, you know, they kind of have to stand off first have a little fight with them and then kind of come around and kind of assimilate. Um, And so, yeah, definitely a lot of, a lot of inspiration from Star Wars on, Or I guess Star Wars drew a lot of inspiration from Dune in that. Um, But I think it worked. I mean, I think they, I really enjoyed the book of Boba Fett. Um, I mean, probably not as much as, you know, some of the, you know, Mandalorian, um,
1: but. Book of Boba Fett's a whole other conversation. (laughs) Um, But uh, I mean, but, but yes, I, I agree that I think that it works really well within the Star Wars, within the context of Star Wars, Mm -hmm. but Going into some more comparisons that are a little more specific. So the Bene Gesserits within the Dune mythos is this order of witches. I swear, there's this fly that keeps coming back. Got him. Nope. Shoot. Sorry. Um, the fly keeps landing on my mic, so if I pause intermittently to try to kill it, that's what it is. Um, the Bene Gesserits are these witches and sort of sorceresses within the Dune mythos um, who have these renowned powers of observation and influence that is like very highly, um, very highly, uh, I don't know what sought after by the nobility within uh, the Dune universe. And so they're, I would say very much like the Jedi, because we see them sort of, Working alongside the governments of the Dune universe. Like, there's like, they have the, I don't remember what what the actual title is, but they like, there's one that's working for the Emperor, um, and is kind of his like truth sayer. Um, and obviously, Paul's mom is a Bene Gesserit and teaches him in the ways, but they have these powers where like, it's almost like a Jedi mind trick where it's the voice. Yeah. And they um, they're able to influence people just kind of explicitly um, just by speaking. But uh, can y'all think of any other sort of interesting connections between the Jedi? Because obviously they're very different, but there are quite a bit of similarities as well. So is there anything that y'all think that I missed there?
2: I would say one um, that really comes to mind for me and, and we'll, as we go through the episode, we'll see, like, there's a lot of things that are similar, but a lot of things that don't really match up perfectly. Um, yeah. but I think one is how, you know, in Star Wars, there's kind of this, you know, like, Jedi are supposed to have attachments. They're supposed to have, you know, like, you're not supposed to be married or all that stuff. And, and Anakin kind of, you know, flirts with that, breaks that a little bit, you know, well, a lot of it. <laughs> and then in a similar manner, um, Paul's mom Jessica and Paul's dad you know like in the book they never marry because it's kind of like frowned upon for
1: mm-hmm.
2: them to be together you know so I think there's a definite similarity there um, you know it, throughout the book it's always it's kind of like a a small hint of like you know regret that the dad has of you know never marrying um, Paul's mom he's kind of always just like his mistress you know because she's a witch um, which you know it's kind of like it's weird because it's like, it's like a weird thing, but like, they're super powerful. People also kind of treat them kind of like they're, I don't know. It's a weird thing, but uh, yeah. I think that's a huge one. Just kind of that, that similar, like, you know,
1: yeah. The sort they're of not supposed to be,
2: yeah. There's tension between, you know, like the love aspects of it.
1: Yeah. No, most definitely. And I think that another interesting kind of layer to that, because there was definitely sort of that idea of like, just kind of like the, almost the status between the two and there's a discrepancy there but also like and this is one thing that i think dune has miles on in star wars as far as like the quality of it but the politics Mm. around why they choose not to get married is essentially like so that paul's dad uh, duke leto can have leverage politically and like essentially he's open to marrying someone else in the sense that he could like form alliances with other houses in the by like kind of playing on their hopes that he would essentially expand their influence by marrying into their family and stuff like that so by not marrying paul's mom and leaving her as a concubine then he kind of leaves his options open in that way so it's really interesting but also i mean yeah your point is completely right as well and uh, yeah i think that it's it is yeah, I think it's fascinating. But yeah. looking. Caleb, just, go, go, yeah, go for it. Well, I was going to say, what,
2: looking more at them as a whole, like Bene Gesserit versus Jedi, I think one of the more stark differences is that the Bene Gesserit are like, very blatantly like, we are here to steer history in our direction. Like, we're here to do it how we yeah. want it. Whereas the Jedi are very much like, you know, we're trying to keep the peace, keep the balance. Like, not, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's something that's really fascinating. It's like they're like very blatantly like, we're going to do what we think is good. <laughs> um, yeah. Even though they both kind of have the same, like, you know, they're kind of outside forces kind of steering uh, the politics.
1: Yeah. That is that is a really interesting distinction, too, that I kind of forgot about. Uh, Caleb, what were you going to say? Uh,
0: yeah, I just had a couple of thoughts. I think one thing that I think is pretty interesting about, um, like, the Bene Gesserit and the Jedi is that, like, the mysticism that is associated with them kind of it, gets, like, interpreted as like religions in those respective universes. Mm-hmm. So you have like the members of the empire in episode four, like telling Darth Vader, we don't want any part of your like ancient mystical religion that is dead because, yeah. you know, at the time of episode four, the Jedi had like no the ways of the force were no longer well-known among the people. Um, and it kind of ties into um, the Bene Gesserit, like have placed there's this um, they because of their influence, they have like spread like rumors about Bene Gesserit influence and like mm-hmm. made them sound like chosen ones. They've like created religions among the Fremen so that like yeah. whenever a Ben Gesserit comes to Arrakis, um, the Fremen in Arrakis will like accept that Ben Gesserit as like a chosen one according yeah. to um, the religion that the Ben Gesserit placed there. Um, so oh, that like, it can like use that fact for power um, so that was just a thought that I had
1: yeah most definitely and are, have you all read the book Plagueis it's about Darth Plagueis and Sidious and
0: I have not but I've heard you talk about it
1: it's it's first of all it's a fantastic read and y'all should y'all should get on that mm-hmm. but second of all um, the Sith actually kind of do something similar where it's kind of like a ritual rite of passage for them um as like they kind of like are trained and i i'm gonna butcher this because i haven't read this book in a while but what they do is they essentially like Plagueis takes sidious to this planet which is super primitive and doesn't really have any contact like it doesn't have interplanetary travel or anything like that and they arrive on this planet and they're res- they're received as like gods basically and mm they just slaughter everybody but these people like expect this they they understand that this is something that's going to happen and they kind of like it's it's part of their culture almost and it's been like ingrained in them that oh there are these beings that are kind of come down from the sky with like swords of fire and they're going to just kill most of us and we got to be ready for that And so, I think that, obviously, it's not quite the same as what you're saying, but just sort of that, like, having that status among these more primitive people, and not that the Fremen are overly primitive, they're pretty advanced, but, like, just having that status of almost, like, divine, like, godly type, small g-god, but, like, godly status among these people, I think that that's a pretty interesting, pretty interesting observation. Um, Yeah. And speaking of the Fremen, this isn't <laughs> this isn't the best comparison, but the best that I have is Fremen versus Tuscan Raiders. But the mm-hmm. Tuscans are I think that it works very well in the sense that like they're both the native people of this desert planet. But I think that the Fremen are far more formidable than the Tuscans as far as warriors. I think that the Book of Boba kind of helped give a little more context to them, but just all in all, I don't think that Tuscans would do super well against like um, I guess I kind of skipped over one, but the Sardaukar, like are taken out pretty easily by the Fremen. And if we're saying like Sarda are like Mandalorians, I don't think that I don't think that the Tuscans would do super well in that scenario. But that being said, what do y'all think about the the Fremen Tuscan comparison?
0: I definitely think that the Fremen are much more complex as like they they there's not there's so much more lore surrounding the Fremen yeah. um, than there is surrounding the Tuscans. The only serious Tuscan lore we really have is from the Book of Boba Fett. Um but one thing that I think is really interesting is like how now correct me if I'm wrong, but like Boba Fett wanted to like unify the Tuscan tribes from all over and like use that to like make the Tuscans a political power on Tatooine. And that's kind of the same thing that Paul does um, because Paul in the latter half of Dune becomes like a huge religious leader um, among the Fremen. And so he like uses that power to like bring the Fremen together and become a major political power um, on Arrakis. And admittedly, I mean, Boba Fett does not succeed in his task um, as Mm. we see in Book of Boba Fett but yeah. Paul is more successful with that but I think that's a pretty cool comparison
1: Yeah. which on the note of the Book of Boba Fett thing sorry Luke I'll, I'll let you but like I thought that that was going to end up being a really big part of the plot like near the end was going to he was going to kind of unify all the Tuscans and then that just they never paid that off at all but anyways <laughs> Luke what, what were you going to say?
2: Yeah I think an equally interesting comparison would be the Fremen with their Rebels um and just kind of thinking okay. about how like it seems like in both stories you know kind of a huge part of um dune is that like the harkonnens kind of the bad guys really underestimate the power of the freemans you know they're kind of like yeah. oh there's just a few of them here and there or like they they don't stand a chance against us and i feel like it's super similar in star wars with how they're like oh the rebel alliance is nothing like
1: mm-hmm. they'll,
2: you know they'll never stop us and then obviously both mm-hmm. of them it's kind of like they come together and I don't know how much spoilers I want to have here, but
1: you know they come together
2: and and you know basically stop them from taking over the universe, taking over the planet, yeah. whatever. Um, but I think that's a less obvious comparison in like just physical sense. But I think there's definitely a lot there with like you know what they do in the in the in the plots.
1: No, most definitely. And it also, like, the way you were describing it, it, sounds a lot like Ewoks. So do you want to compare Ewoks to the Fremen?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, I think you know, this is a, a repeated theme, I think, just throughout, like, society. Not to be, like, yeah. super, like, you know, meta, but, like, there's always, like, that you know, the, this, like, group that's, like, you know, looked over and, like, you know, it's like, oh, they don't stand a chance. And, like, you know, the underdogs, everyone wants a good underdog story, you know. But definitely be. similar to the Ewoks, especially episode 6, where they kind of come together and, like, out of nowhere you're like whoa how did they like you know bring down the, all the stormtroopers here but yeah um yeah very yeah. similar um you know they all they all use um almost guerrilla tactics you know kind of they mm-hmm. they fight their own way but it works in and...
1: yeah most definitely and talking about the fremen a little more just to give the context they're actually i the fremen are my favorite part just the amount of detail that kind of goes into them is really really interesting and I'll talk about it a little. Well, actually, might as well talk about it now. This planet Arrakis, which is nicknamed Dune, so that's the namesake of the book, um, is really rich in this substance called spice. Uh, it's I think the technical term for it is melange, um, and it's this psychedelic drug that is just kind of perpetually ingrained in society on Arrakis it's in the food it's in um just in the air like it's like these little sparkly particles that you can see blowing across the sands and um it's very much ingrained in fremen culture as well they have these like distinctive blue eyes um that sort of mark their status as almost like secondary citizens according to the nobility within the planet um And also they have, so obviously Arrakis is this desert world. So they have this interesting system. What are they called? They're called still suits, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And they essentially recycle the body's water to sort of um, just give you like a steady stream of hydration, even in like a really intense desert environment, which I think is fascinating and just like a really... I mean it's disgusting but like also super super practical and super cool and also like their whole like the whole concept of like spilling the body's water and like essentially they like when one of them dies then they like break the body down and it's like a big it's like a, an honor to have your your water join the water the collective water of the mm-hmm. of the tribe and they essentially like yeah they use whatever water is in the body for drinking water, um, when when one of the fremen dies. And so I just think that their culture, and I, I'm sure I'm missing a lot of stuff. Obviously they ride the worms, um, the I don't remember what the, I don't remember what they call them. Yeah, Caleb's got one of them on his shirt, um, but uh, I don't remember what they're called like by the fremen in the book, but i just think i just think that the the level of detail that was put into their culture and it all just like makes sense like i think that that's really fascinating and i'd love to hear y'all talk about that as well
0: there was a couple more things i wanted to mention about the spice um there's it's basically like spice runs the the universe basically spices okay. the it's oh, yeah. used by the this uh what do they call this the space traveling guild because all space oh, yeah. travel on like the universe of um dune is like regulated by this monopoly of mm-hmm. these like mysterious people um who use spice to like navigate because like yeah spice allows you to like see things that like you mm-hmm. can't normally see so like you can navigate the stars using spice additionally spice like allows you to like live longer which is mm-hmm. a lot of the reasons why the nobility seek after it, um, but that was a couple of thoughts about just like the way that spice runs the universe.
1: And yeah, Dune. yeah, and I know we've
2: already kind of mentioned a little bit, but Dune is just so incredibly complex politically. Like his the world he builds is just um, brilliant, and mm-hmm. part of the reason I love it. Um, but that's one thing. Yeah, they really go into detail about the Fremen and just how they like they have these you know little. Um, they call them sieges, but like kind of like tribes, groups, and how they kind of all, like it is like, it's almost cultish. It's like, like Jonah was saying, like, they're very much like, you know, they're all like family, but like they have all these like religious ceremonies. And like he's saying, when someone dies, they like, it's an honor to like have your water given to the greater good of the tribe. Um, And just very much, yes, like they're, um, you know, they all use the spice and it's kind of like, it's I mean, it's viewed as kind of a drug, But, like, a necessary drug. I don't even know how to. (laughs) um, But, yeah, part of of what really I love about Dune is how much detail they put into all these different parts and how much they really dive into, you know, the complexity of the Fremen. They're not just kind of like, you know, in in Star Wars, kind of the Tuscans are kind of viewed as just like, oh, they're those people that are kind of weird. And, like, there's some of that with the Fremen, but then it kind of jumps over to their perspective and you really see, like, oh, man, these are, like, you know, real people Mm -hmm. and, like, families and tribes. Um, and they're very powerful obviously
1: <laughs> yeah and they're also like really efficient in like moving through the environment and they're able to like mm-hmm. completely circumvent these really trained military um, individuals that are and they just completely overwhelm them just with their knowledge of the environment as well as their like their proficiency in like moving through it and they have like a special walk that doesn't alert these giant sandworms to their locations. Mm-hmm. Are they called like what are they called like like earth earth breakers or um, so what?
0: The, I know that they call them the makers. The makers, this, that's uh, what the fremen do, and then there's also like a technical term that's in their language. It's like I don't know. I'm, I think I'm gonna butcher the pronunciation,
2: but it's like shy hulud.
1: Um, yeah,
2: yeah, but yeah,
1: yeah. That's right. And um, actually, like.
2: This is. I was doing research, and one of the funniest things I found was there's actually a super huge connection to SpongeBob. If you all remember the episode with the huge worm and SpongeBob, like it literally looks exactly like the worms from Dune. If you all know what I'm talking about, I don't know, but I thought it was hilarious.
1: I've never watched SpongeBob, but that's hilarious. That's amazing. Yeah. Um,
2: well. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, feel free to fun. dive into that. If you, if well, you...
2: I mean, th- there's there's no really like super huge connection. It's just like. Um, there's an episode where a huge worm comes out of the ground and it's just it like, it looks exactly like the worms in Dune. Like it's got all the teeth. It's like a super huge circle. I mean, it's just like, you know, kilometers long. <laughs> um, hilarious. So it's just kind of a random, random, I mean, SpongeBob is just random in general, <laughs> but it uh, it's just, I think goes to show how much, how prolific Dune is in the, I guess SpongeBob is not really sci-fi, but <laughs> entertainment yeah. genre, I will say.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah um okay i kind of mentioned the sardaukar before do we want to compare sardaukar versus mandalorians i feel like that's another comparison that maybe falls flat they may be closer to stormtroopers but in the book they're hyped up to be these like really elite warriors that are like unrivaled so that description puts them more in like the mandalorian camp in my opinion but Mm -hmm. then when you see them actually like operating especially against the likes of the fremen then you see that they're not super effective when they're not in a position where they can use their normal equipment because they can't use their shields or something like that because it like it puts like because of the weapon like the the, the sound blast like it interrupt it and then it creates like this giant explosion. I don't really remember the, what the, the proper terminology happens, is.
0: I believe there's the lace guns which like shoot these yeah. lasers and if a lace gun comes in contact with a like energy shield then it causes like an atomic bomb explosion and yeah. so it draws it really like mm-hmm. yeah
1: well what's oh, the worms yeah. oh yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 that is true um yeah the frequency draws, here's, draws the worms as well Here here's what for.
2: i would say i think the best like especially for star wars listeners if you could imagine that the stormtrooper army were all mandalorians like like the army of the Empire but they were trained like Mandalorians or they were Mandalorians. That's kind of what the Sardaukar are supposed to be like this really fierce, like high level, you know, army, but they're like their army of the emperor in Mm -hmm. Dune. Um, Yeah. So if that was a thing, I think think it would be that. Yeah. I I think think.
0: that the the main like difference worth mentioning, like the Mandalorians are very like independent, like contained within themselves, but the Sardaukar are basically just like, puppets to be used by the empire like they serve the empire they serve like um people but the mandalorians like do not like to like serve other groups they like to be independent and so that kind of made me think that the Sartakar are almost kind of like elite clones which made me think of the bad batch kind of but um, yeah
1: like clone commandos almost or like mm -hmm. arc troopers yeah yeah arc troopers would be a good comparison (laughs) yeah it's i mean it is pretty tough because I feel like a lot of, like, the really elite warriors in Star Wars are, like, actually really good at what they do. Whereas, like, I don't feel like we get to really see the Sardaukar really go all out. Like, you hear that there are these, like, renowned warriors across the galaxy. And, like, Paul and 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 his people are all like, oh, my gosh, they're Sardaukar. But then these Fremen, like, just take them out like they're nothing. And that's kind of how they understand, like, oh, wow, that's there's something more to these people. But... I feel like Mandalorian, like, once again, it's like the Mandalorians versus Tuskens matchup is like there would be no contest. Like, the Mandalorians would destroy them. So,
0: it, it kind of reminds me because, like, in the beginning of episode four, Obi-Wan is like, only Imperial stormtroopers are this precise, you know? We're talking yeah. About like, so, it's almost like the stormtroopers get hyped up, but we never really see them perform to the expectation that they're supposed to have um... well the
1: pre- the precision argument precision is not accuracy in a scientific sense so they could be really precise and just miss consistently <laughs> very yeah, precise
2: very inaccurate
1: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um so maybe maybe it's the same the same deal here um i have a few more comparisons that we can run through pretty quickly because they're more just like i think that the crate dragon and this is a shout out to my buddy john cox um, need to get you on the podcast sometime but but um, he pointed out that crate dragons move very similar similarly through the environment as the worms in, uh, in Dune do there aren't too many comparisons aside from that um, the worms are pretty interesting because like the Fremen like ride them and use them as a form of transportation that's kind of like a rite of passage for them mm-hmm. um, but aside from that I, mean, I think one thing destructive i'll say
2: this is not like super you know but just um kind of similar to the worm is the i think the sarlacc pit you know like Mm -hmm. there's a you know obviously the sarlacc pit is is different because it's not like moving around it's kind of just a you know a guy big monster in the middle of the the desert but you know it kind of has the same like it's gonna swallow you and eat you and like it's this Mm -hmm. huge monster
1: um yeah kind of an unseen underground threat yeah yeah that makes sense Caleb do you have any thoughts on that
0: yeah I think the number one thing that sets sandworms apart is the fact that like I mean sandworms create the spice like the spice comes from the sandworms the sandworms mm-hmm. are like unique to um Arrakis in that sense and um that makes them like a pivotal part of like the way the dune runs yeah Um, I don't know if Krayt Dragons have a similar role on Tatooine I mean we see in Kenobi that like Harvesting from a crate dragon corpse, right?
1: Um, I th- well, okay. Wikipedia says that it's—I don't remember what they're actually called, but they're those big, like, creatures. Do you remember in the Malevolence arc of the Clone Wars, um, when they go through the nebula, and there are these giant creatures. Like that whales, are like, are like, yeah. yeah whales. they're like space. They're not the pergles, but they're like the big <laughs> space whales with with big big wings. They look like yeah. bats almost. Yeah, it's apparently one of those.
0: How did that end up on television? I don't
1: know. Of... That's what I'm thinking too. I I always assumed it was a crate dragon until I read that somewhere. Um, I think that it's safe to say crate dragon. But I mean, we see a crate dragon in the Mandalorian as well. Um, and you mm-hmm. see that it, its meat is very sought after. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I I don't know how crucial to the ecosystem crate dragons are. I know that they're like an apex predator. Obviously, they're able to, like, eat Sarlaccs and stuff like that, which I'm sure not many other creatures are able to do. Um, so I'm sure that they serve that sort of that sort of role. But aside from that, I, I don't really know. I just thought it was an interesting comparison. Then we have uh, Muad'Dib and the Kwisatz Haderach versus the Chosen Ones. So Muad'Dib, Luke mentioned it earlier, is sort of the... The religious status that Paul uh, ascends to within the ranks of the Fremen. And then the Kwisatz Haderach is... I don't really know what the specifics behind it are, but it's essentially this legendary being within the Bene Gesserits, the witches that we talked about earlier, um, that is like a prophesized um, being with like immense power. Sorry, flies back. Um, And uh, I don't know... um, I don't know. There there aren't I don't I it's just like the, the main comparison that I would draw is that they're these like prophesized beings within these groups. But can y'all think of any other um any other comparisons between them?
0: Yeah, I was thinking I definitely think that the oh man, the Quraits Hydrak, or however you say it, man. Um <laughs> I think that that's, you know, whenever you read the book, you just kind of make up
2: pronunciations and you yeah, 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 yeah.
0: <laughs> I definitely think that it's a similar role to the chosen one it, among the Jedi. Something mm-hmm. interesting to note about the Bin Jesserit, which we didn't say earlier, is that all of them are female. And yes. the like, Quirites Hadrach, whatever, yeah. the chosen one among the Bin <laughs> yeah. is, is yeah. um, like the only male Bin Jesserit. And it's like, which is actually kind of like the Gerudo and Legend of Zelda and Ganondorf, but that's mm-hmm. totally something different. Um, <laughs> But, because. Um, basically it's like this role because like a lot of people like wanted to be the chosen one and we're like wondering is this person the chosen one and yeah. people would like members of the ben jesuit would like try to give birth to um the ben jesuit chosen one um and yeah. they wouldn't succeed and that kind of reminds me that like people in the jedi were like looking for the person who would be the chosen one um yeah. and both of them were like said to like you know have immense power greater than mm-hmm anything that anyone else had which you see both through um anakin and through paul who is the writes, drag, whatever
2: it yep. is. Um, yeah I'll, I'll i'll just also add on i think that you also see in both of them that they're the kind of these you know like you know very much like, not historical, but kind of like, you know, legendary, like, you know, through like, oh, there's going to be a chosen one. It's going to be balanced to the force, you know? Oh, there's yeah. going to be this Quistat Haderach, or yeah, however you say it, that's going to, you know, <laughs> yeah, kind of bring bring balance to the world, kind of the political system here, you know, you'll be able to like see to the future and like know and do all this stuff. And, and I mean, that's just super similar, obviously. Uh, but I think also what's super similar in both stories is how like, you know, once they find Anakin... Qui-Gon Jinn is convinced, he's like, oh, yes, this is the chosen one. And the Jedi Council is like, nope, it's not him, you know. Mm-hmm. And the same kind of thing, Jessica, which is Paul's mom, is like, he is the, you know, the Quisas sachs how you say it? <laughs> and, um, and, and kind of the other parts of the Bene jeser are like, no, you're being foolish for trying to, you know, say it's him. Um, and in both cases, it turns out to they're both the ones who, you know, uh, yeah. well, I guess it's kind of debatable in Star Wars, but... <sighs> <laughs> uh, but yeah no there's there a lot of similarities uh, in those two and i think that they both do a really good job of like making it almost kind of a you know very much bigger than itself things it's like oh wow this is like you know someone who's gonna like bring balance to the world and it's like wow yeah we need nice that step. in america
1: <laughs> yeah hey <laughs> Amen that. Um, uh, an interesting I a, thing. Uh, oh, oh, sorry. I, this is really quick. I don't think it'll lead to much okay. of anything else. But the Benny Gesserit's it's its implied that they have like control over what gender baby they have. I believe um, it's that's correct. They don't. Yeah, they don't really go into detail mm-hmm. about why that is. But like the, whatever the mother, the great—I don't remember what her name is. Like what the title is, but the, the great mother whoever's in charge of um, mm-hmm. Jessica uh, was like, you were, you were supposed to give birth to a, a girl, but you, you chose to, cause Lato wanted a son. You gave birth to a son and that's like, yada, yada, yada. She was not happy with that. So um, I just thought that that was an interesting thing to add in as well. Yeah. But um, the term that you were uh,
0: looking for was reverend to mother, reverend mother, to reverend yeah. mother. Yeah. Yeah. That makes um, more sense. One more thing that I thought was interesting about these, both of these types of chosen ones is that both of them are like, whether they really fully realize it are like destined to like cause destruction and like, cause a huge theme that you see cause Dune is actually like a multi-part series. Um, yeah. One of the big themes in the first book is like Paul knows that his like role um, as a chosen one means that he's like destined to like go on this like crusade causing like tons of destruction in the universe. Um, And he's like, I want to avoid that happening to me. And it kind of reminded me of Anakin, um, especially in the Mortis arc where like Mm -hmm. he's revealed in the Mortis arc that like he's destined to like become evil um, and cause so much pain and death and destruction. Um, And so I just think it's interesting how um, these are roles of great power end up both being corrupted.
1: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And that's a great, that's a great comparison.
0: And almost like how those corruption, was like part of their journey like becoming the chosen one and bringing balance to the force required him to turn to the dark side and like Mm -hmm. paul's role as the chosen one as the choir is like to like go on this crusade like it's part of what it means to be that person so yeah i just think it's interesting
1: kind of the self-fulfilling prophecy at that point um but yeah no super interesting indeed i have a few more they're not i mean obviously Arrakis and tatooine are very similar both desert worlds um, there's spice in both like spice is a psychedelic drug like the spice mines of kessel and all that stuff the pike's are spice traders um, and we got lightsabers versus chris knives i think that that's an interesting one because obviously like if you were to put a lightsaber against a chris knife it probably wouldn't be too much of a like a contest but like as far as their significance within the culture, like they're both very sacred weapons because yeah. obviously lightsaber is powered by kyber crystals. It's like a big rite of passage. Chris knives are the teeth of dead sandworms. Um and so they have very significant cultural implications within both the Fremen and the Jedi. And uh I don't know if there's much past that. Other than that, I mean like the idea of like rebelling against a galactic empire is pretty consistent but aside from that those are the really the only ones that i have left i figured i'd run through them and kind of bunch them together if y'all want to touch on any of them specifically but um yeah what are y'all's thoughts
2: i mean i think one that we can definitely come back to some of those but just kind of continuing on with the chosen one thing is comparing i think paul to anakin um and just kind of the surrounding stuff it's interesting like thinking about it i see a lot of like it seems like Paul actually compares a lot to both Anakin and Luke. That's kind of like, I agree. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to, like I said, it's like a lot of things don't match perfectly. Um, but mm-hmm. it's fascinating how there's kind of always like, you know, this, this guy who's kind of young has to accept a lot of power and to kind of, you know, become a very important figure. And it's kind of, you know, like an older mentor who kind of helps him out. Then he dies. And now they have to like deal with it all. It's just kind of, it you know, was a lot. I mean, that's just, classic you know hero's journey arc there but um i think there's a lot of similarities but also differences i think that's the thing that i also notice is that at least i'll say this between luke and paul i think that paul is a a super super realistic person like person very realistic Mm -hmm. protagonist he's very much you know Mm -hmm. not super optimistic and hopeful and he's kind of just like this is the way things have to be and like you know, I don't know. But Luke is very much like, oh, we're going to defeat the Empire and, like, we're going to do all this and it's going to be great. Um, I think that's something that's very fascinating. It seems like Dune has a lot more, like, of a realistic outlook on, oh, man, like, this is going to be really hard and, and painful. Whereas Star Wars kind of has the classic, like, it's good versus evil and good's going to win. It's going to be a great, you know, day. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. I think that kind of goes back to, you know, Star Wars is like a you know entertainment film industry um well at least you know the first movies um whereas dune i think was a lot more of a you know it's a book in the beginning and it has a lot more but to say about like society and like the the realism there but
0: i see what you're saying yeah
1: i do too that's cool uh caleb Uh, got anything else
0: i was thinking a little bit about the tatooine to arrakis comparison and the only thing that didn't really like sit with me was kind of just like tatooine is kind of like nowhere it's like the, it's like yeah. no one cares about Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Arrakis is like the place, like the, the empire really wants like Arrakis to like, even though it sucks to live there and like, it's an awful desert, like it's a very valuable planet because it's the source of like a material that is so important. It's like the material that allows people to star travel, to be able to live for a long time, the, the um, and stuff like that. And yeah. so it made me it almost, it reminded me a little bit of Jeddah from Rogue One, um, yeah. Just because the Empire is, like, harvesting kyber crystals from Jeddah mm-hmm. in the same way that um, that they're harvesting from Arrakis. The main difference there simply being that, like, while the people of Arrakis are able to, like, successfully rise up against the oppression and the harvesting of yeah. their resources, that isn't able to happen in Jeddah, even though people try to, um,
1: so... Have you seen the images of like it was in a comic, I think, but Jeddah after the Death Star attacks it because it didn't destroy the entire planet. Yeah, but it's like it created like a cataclysmic. It had a cataclysmic effect on the planet. Like the planet started breaking mm-hmm. apart and like it was pretty much uninhabitable after the Death Star attacked Jeddah City, even mm-hmm. though it was like a wow. small fraction of the the power. Like it's still like. It, it destroyed everything i'm googling uh, and, it right
0: now and yeah that's pretty wild
1: yeah no um but yeah no i completely agree yeah Tat- the whole point of tatooine is like oh it's a backwater world in the outer rim no one really cares about it the end like it's kind of it's really mm-hmm. just run by the the crime lords and stuff like that but um but yeah no i mean just obviously the setting is very similar go for it luke
2: yeah, I think the last thing I totally you about this um, that I know I wanted to talk about was the uh, kind of the bad guys uh, in both. Um, obviously, we have the Empire. You mentioned Galactic Empire in Star Wars, and I think it's called the Galactic Paddish Empire or something, and like, it's very similar there. But more specifically, uh, Baron Vladimir Harkonnen is kind of like the evil dude in, in, in Dune, and like him compared to Sidious, I think, is so much good stuff there because like number one they're both just disgusting (laughs) like they both just have like you know just like ominous disgusting presences um and they're both pretty evil people i mean they both like they're willing to do some evil stuff and i think that's fascinating i i really miss that about a lot of movies nowadays like they're just like evil dudes that are trying to just you know they'll kill and you know commit genocide against millions just to like get what they want um And then kind of the same thing with, this This is a little less direct, but, you know, they both kind of have their, uh, like Darth Vader's kind of, you know, the apprentice of Sidious and and it's his nephew in Dune. His name is Baron, uh, I forget his name, Baron Harkonnen. I don't know. He's kind of like his nephew though in Dune and he's kind of like his apprentice almost. Um, I think there's huge similarities there because they both, Darth Vader and him both have these like massive presences and kind of, you know, there's still a lot of fear and in their rule. Um, what is his name?
1: It's played by a uh, go for it killed.
0: You know, him? Yeah, I I'm probably gonna butcher the pronunciation, but it's like it's his nephew. It's F E Y D, so it's like, so it's like oh, Ralfa. Fade
1: Fade Ralfa. Yeah,
2: yeah his name yeah. is Dave Bautista.
1: Yeah, Dave. Uh, Bautista. No, no, no. I was gonna say His Dave
2: name Drax. is Rabin Rabin Harkonnen. That's what they. Oh. Are...
1: That might be the other nephew, because there are two of them. I'm pretty sure. Well, yeah, he has a um, son.
2: That's the, that's the thing that's really, it's part of I love this. Fate, they don't have a Yeah.
1: Fate, they don't show fate the is his
2: son. Yes, and that's the thing like, he puts his nephew in power. This is yeah, this is a huge spoiler, but um he put you have all read the book. Um he puts his nephew I love this. He puts his nephew in power on Dune. So and he tells him like to like rule with like an iron fist and like you know really be really oppressive so that the people will hate him and like mm. reject him as their leader. So he can like put his son in and his son kind of comes in and he's like a little bit less oppressive and they love it because he's not how the other guy was. And I think that's just so evil, but also so like, wow.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like, no, it's fantastic. And yeah, that, that, that's right. I, I forgot about that. Um, but yeah, no, I think that that's a great distinction too, between Sidious and, and yeah, just sort of that just repulsive evil. Um, when compared to, to, to yeah. Um, (laughs) sorry I'm just thinking, shout <laughs> out Mitchell and daniel if you know you know um but uh but caleb caleb did you have anything else you wanted to say no no i think good not. luke is that it or you got anything else
2: no i think th- you could almost even compare the baron to like Jabba the Hutt or something because they're just both yeah. so like well oh, cool, because yeah. i guess you also the baron is like, a, hu- a huge like he's very large yeah fat man and so like yeah yes i
1: think Uh, but yeah it's kind of a cross between like the evil of the emperor and also yeah the just sliminess yeah (laughs) size of um yeah of java that's really funny um okay we got a we got some time let's do a couple star wars versus everything else's and this is where the fun begins
0: this is where the fun begins
1: Alrighty, so if you're unfamiliar with Star Wars versus everything else, uh, this is essentially a segment where I pit Star Wars characters versus characters from other franchises like Marvel, Lord of the Rings, Dune is on this list now. Um, And uh, basically, I made this spreadsheet that helps me just create random matchups. And so uh, we're just going to roll through a couple of these and see how easy it is to sort of. Uh, if they go too fast, then we'll do a few. If we get stuck on it, we'll do one or two. Um, the first one that I have is Kylo Ren versus Ultron on the forest moon of Endor. So, um, Caleb, who, who do you think... You can take it first. Who do you think is going to win?
0: Ultron is an absolute beast in the what-if. Like, The only difference between Ultron like, literally destroying multiple universes and ultron like is whether or not he gets the visions body um yeah so ultron is just an absolute beast like he is impossibly difficult to kill um it's such like a complex process being able to like isolate him from the rest of himself so that you can actually kill him and like any single person i really don't think is capable of doing that so ultron takes the kick easily in my opinion
1: fair enough luke what are your thoughts (sighs) well that's a convincing argument but
2: i don't know like 's pretty powerful and I'm just thinking you know Come on. the force <laughs> I feel like I, I guess that Caleb up a very valid point in that you know Ultron has you know his electronic minions everywhere. himself is everywhere kind of you know in in the system but uh, I think Calvin could easily take down like you know the body of Ultron but that's the question is yeah. could he take down the whole system I yeah. uh,
1: but. I mean, the argument... So, the, the setting is the Forest Moon of Endor. So, there aren't too many resources for Ultron to exploit as far as, like... See, oh, but that's Because, okay. like, okay. the Forest Moon
0: of Endor is where the Empire built, like, the force field for... Um, it's got, like, AT-ATs, AT-STs. Maybe the Death Star is right there, depending on, like, what time it is. So, like, yeah. Ultron can hack into and, like, use all of those things to his advantage. That's, that's what I That's actually
1: very very fair point i was gonna say ultron is like a super advanced like vibranium coated droid that can think for itself very well um but that's actually a super compelling argument so i might change my vote mid thing and say that that ultron would win yeah that was actually that was that was a good argument caleb well done um Do do y'all have any other thoughts, or do y'all want to move on? I got another one in the barrel.
0: I'm ready for the next one.
2: Yeah, let's do it. (laughs)
1: We we have pre Vizla versus Gollum on Geonosis. Y'all can make a decision on whether or not Gollum has the Ring of Power, but...
0: Well, I mean, Gollum doesn't have anything if he doesn't have the Ring of Power.
1: (laughs) True. Um... Very true. Let's just say for kicks and giggles, he does then.
2: Mm-hmm. So I'll just tell you right now, I haven't seen or read Lord of the Rings, so I don't know what exactly the Ring of Power entails. You know
1: what, you know what Gollum is, though. I know,
2: I know who Gollum is. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um so, so, so Gollum, yeah, Gollum's this creature that got corrupted by the Ring, and really, correct me if I'm wrong, Caleb, because I know that you probably have a little more knowledge about this than I do, mm-hmm. but to my knowledge the ring of power really only makes you invisible and it also kind of connects you to sauron in a way but it does you don't really also, like, get the powers of sauron what, what was that yeah.
0: it's mainly just giving you invisibility and also like the more you wear it like the more like twisted and detestable of a creature you become yeah um, like, anyway, like that's why Gollum is the way that he is yeah um, but Gollum doesn't really have any like like the way that he's able, the only way he's able to like really beat Frodo and Sam in anything is because all of them have been traveling for like, m- like weeks and months without any food or water, and like they're all at their absolute weakest. And mm-hmm. I feel like Gollum isn't really that like strong, powerful yeah. character with many good skills because of that. I just think like his evil was more emotional, and I feel like in a pure fight, Gollum's strengths of like manipulation and emotional torment aren't really helpful because Previsela would just like use his Mandalorian skills to like destroy him yeah.
1: I was gonna say, he's, he's up gonna... against the Mandalorian, it's not it's not yeah. a very fair fight. Um yeah, Luke, do you have any other thoughts cuz I mean this can... let too.
2: Yeah, basically what I've heard I think Previsela would take it uh, pretty easily. Um I mean invisibility would be tricky, but he can fly and like I was going to say
1: he's got some, I'm sure he has <laughs> some sort of heat heat tracking or yeah something oh yeah you're totally right he's he's gotta have something i don't know if the ring prevents your heat signature for sure i don't think it matters (laughs) i think that that he could just i think i think he wins (laughs) we got cad bane versus hermione granger in theed which is the capital city of naboo yeah um
2: yeah that's an interesting one um I mean, personally, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. So I think I'm going to have to go with Hermione Granger, <clears throat> Just because, I mean, Cad Bane is so um, resourceful. But, I mean, like, Hermione can literally use magic. And I, I feel like it, it would be pretty easy for her to, you know, freeze him, bind yeah. him, take him down. Um, yeah. But i think it'd be interesting i think that's a that's a really interesting matchup
0: Uh i'm having to use here is like i feel like cad doesn't really have anything he can like counter because like the only way you can like counter magic is using other magic as far as i can tell in the harry potter universe so like if someone casts a spell at you you have to have a wand in your hand in order to do something about that spell and stop it from hitting you and Cadbe I mean, just doesn't sure. to, like He could be very resourceful, and like he could like hide and jump and move around. But I think that could only work for so long. Because Cadbe yeah. is very talented, but I think he's up against something that he's not prepared for.
1: That's very fair. I don't know. I'm having a tough time with this one, too. Because the way that we... Like, the killing curse of Adekedavra, which who knows if Hermione would actually use that in this scenario, All but... Right. Um, it's a projectile so like you can block it with physical objects like if Cad Bane were to hide behind something he would be able to evade yeah. it. That's I don't know, true. he has the little like leg boosters. I swear this is fly. Um <laughs> he has the little leg boosters and I just don't know if it's like making noise on my mic or something. Um he has the little leg boosters which kind of gives him like the Mandalorian advantage of sort of a jetpack type thing. Um I don't know. I don't know if he could shoot or if, like you see that he's like kind of a master duelist in Book of Boba, um, as far as like quick draws go. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I, it- I would agree that probably just because we see Cad Bane's like formidable for killing Jedi and like he is a very resourceful, as you said, Luke individual. I think it would depend on. I mean, Theed has a lot. Also, has a lot of places to hide. So, like taking that into account, I think that yeah. Cad would probably be able to evade her long enough to kind of get the drop on her. I think that he's smart enough, and I mean, Adaptful if if he's enough. able to kill Jedi, I think that he could kill a Hogwarts student, even if it's the likes of Hermione. But that's just. Yeah. me.
0: <laughs> I was also thinking. Like, I don't really know how. You can use magic to like you know like against blaster fire or like various other things i don't know how magic works with respect to that and so i don't know how well her ability to prevent that would be but like knowing how adaptable and how like agile cat bane is i think i'm comfortable giving it to him
1: yeah very fair um okay if we're done with that one i'm gonna say one more and then we'll move into rank master but uh we have shock t versus captain america um, so it's a, it basically a jedi versus captain america uh shakti is the the tegruda um woman who is like in charge of uh training the clones and stuff like that but she's also well it's kind of unclear how she dies she's yeah. died like five different ways that. um but uh she looks like a Sogatano. tano for if for my listeners who aren't familiar with her member of the mm-hmm. jedi council all that good stuff um but Oh, I swear, fly again. Um, but Where are I don't they? know. I I guess it, I I would say the argument comes down to whether or not the shield can hold up against a lightsaber.
2: Mm.
0: That's actually wasn't there like tweets about that. Well, like Luke Skywalker, like Mark Hamill and um, uh, been. Chris, Chris Evans. Ron- Chris Evans like had like a texting, like tweeted each other about that. Like it was something about.
1: I a six-year-old asking
0: that question
1: that's hilarious yeah i think that that's right actually i think i remember that but i mean like okay let's just break down like a lightsaber can't cut through beskar and i would say that they have very similar qualities um i think my brain
0: would be able to prevent lightsabers because of beskar being
1: able yeah. to prevent lightsabers i mean i would i would assume that if it like if you held a lightsaber to vibranium for a long enough time i think it would melt it yeah um but that would be like, uh, how long would it take to get it to that melting point, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think that any of the glancing blows. I still think that Shock T would probably win because I think anytime Cap throws the shield, she would be able to just catch it and then just be like, no. And then. then it's yeah, that's what go. I
2: think the are discounting, kind of like, year versus shield, obviously, but like the force is just such a. You know, I was going to say the. <clears throat>
0: game-changer.
2: Yeah, force is a game changer. So, I mean, I feel like she could pretty easily. Yeah. Take him down. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say easily. Captain America is great, but like, it's just you know, a Jedi versus anyone is is tough.
1: Yeah, i I think that Shock Two wins. I mean, I think that Cap could probably put up a good fight and probably evade for a little bit, but I mean, I I just think it's a matter of time in that scenario. Yeah. Um. Okay. Any final thoughts on that, or do we want to get into the quiz?
0: I'm ready for the quiz.
2: And I hope stop. I'm
1: ready. <laughs> I'm sure y'all both are. Um, okay, well without further ado, let's dive into the rank of master.
2: You're on this council,
0: but we do not grant you the rank of master.
1: Alrighty, so we have two different ranks here. Actually, like, about as different as you can get. We have Luke, who's never taken a quiz, so he's a youngling, and he's going to try to get up to Padawan. And we have Caleb, who is a knight trying to get up to master, which is very exciting. Um, so essentially, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, you haven't uh, heard the rank of. I swear, the rank of master. <coughs> That's That's a stupid fly. fly. Um, if you haven't heard the rank of master before, what it is is it's a three question quiz that I give to guests whenever they come on the podcast. and they get increasingly hard as you move along in the ranks. You have to pass a quiz to go up a rank. You start as a youngling, then you go to padawan, then knight, then master. Once you're a master, you have the ability to challenge me for the rank of grandmaster. Uh if you haven't listened to my 100th episode, you can kind of see how that might play out uh when my brother Jeb challenged me for the rank of grandmaster. Obviously, I'm still the grandmaster, so <laughs> didn't work out super well for him, but um Jeb. but yeah, so Luke, uh you're going to have a slightly different quiz than Caleb. Caleb uh, I'll explain how I kind of alter the master quiz uh, as it comes up. But Luke uh, since this is your first time, feel free to ask for context. Uh, if you want it, I may or may not give it. Uh, if you don't know the answer to something, I would suggest kind of talking your way around the answer and kind of mentioning anything about Star Wars that you may know that could be related to it. It could give you partial credit. And much like the real Jedi Council, I will allow my personal biases and opinions of you as a person uh, sway my decision. So uh, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay question one of three is who is the queen and later senator of naboo um
2: the queen and later senator is padme amidala
1: that is correct you are one for one going into I a, that wasn't hard it's just like oh my goodness wait a minute wait a minute you,
0: you hesitated for way too long i was, I was gonna know, say was
1: luke like
2: yeah i'm good Um, but i was just like wait whoa whoa whoa.
1: i'm I'm glad you took your time um okay what is the cataclysmic threat that starkiller base poses to the galaxy in the force awakens the
2: cataclysmic threat
1: well um just not overthinking this because this is the easiest quiz that you will get
2: okay um, I mean, it's very similar to the Death Star in that it could destroy your planet,
1: yes. That is that, is okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it is able to destroy planets and also, yeah, interestingly, like, Star Killer, uh, no, okay.
2: Star Killer yeah. base. Okay, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, that's what I said. The Catacly- Oh. okay, yeah, Star Killer base. Um, but uh, it actually, like, I kind of forgot about this until I wrote this question, like, it drains suns to power itself and like get enough power to like shoot the laser. So that's another yeah. technically another threat that it has to the galaxy is that it could decimate your sun. environmental. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, the fly the fly has been very persistent in the latter half of this episode. It's just all over <laughs> me. Um okay, and you're two for two going into question number 3, which is according to Princess Leia, who is her only hope?
2: Uh Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, yes. Correct.
1: Good job. Um, okay, you went three for three, and uh, I think that's pretty decisive. You have uh, earned the rank of Padawan. So, congratulations. Good. How do you feel?
2: Good. I'm ready for my braid.
1: Okay. Good stuff. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. That, that should be that should be a thing. I should get some braids and just pass them out whatever. Just Please. ship them off. Um, that's hilarious. Um, okay. Well, congratulations, Luke. Uh, it's time for Caleb's quiz. So Caleb is going up to the rank of master. Uh, You've had the most unique journey out of everyone because I think Mm -hmm. that you've only had one quiz on air because uh, Caleb's been in one other episode. He was in my Rebels roadmap, um, which is really awesome. You should go back and listen to that after you're done with this episode. But we had some technical difficulties the first time we recorded it where my audio was just awful. And so he had already (laughs) taken his Youngling quiz and he, he aced it. And so I allowed him to stay at Padawan and uh, go up tonight in that last uh, episode that we had. So he's had a very unique journey, but but we're glad to have him. And for the rank of master, I have an ongoing list of questions that I just have numbered. And to prevent my biases from affecting the questions, I just put those numbers into a randomized generator and uh, I spin the wheel three times and then whatever those numbers are, that's what you get. So. Um, they are the the hardest questions, and they kind of they they range in their difficulty. So you kind of get what you get, and
2: Don't fuss we'll see how you do. So
1: yeah. Caleb, are you I ready? Was, oh, go for it! I was Caleb. gonna
2: ask. I was like, I thought Caleb's only been on once, but that makes. And I'm glad you explained that. That. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. No, I it was kind of a thank you for being patient with me and literally having the same conversation two different <laughs> times um it was a good conversation you know it was a great conversation it was fantastic but um but yeah no i felt like that was the least i could do in that situation um but yeah caleb are you ready i am ready okay on your on your journey to jedi master um question number one is what is the traditional weapon of the tuscan raiders
0: That's the thing we see in the book of Boba Fett. It's like long and has the pointy thing at the end. I will not be able to tell you what it's called. I'm afraid unless, and I believe the tradition behind it is like, they get that worm that Boba Fett has and it like causes them to go into the desert and find this material. Yeah. Um, So I can like give all the context, but I don't think (laughs) I could get the name for it.
1: That's fair. Um... (laughs) Yeah. it's it's a type of obviously a type of stick it has stick in the name and it starts with a G. if you could if that helps jog your memory at all this is a pretty tough one because it's not really mentioned it's pretty it's pretty ambiguous no, so if, if you I'm don't not, know it then I'm, you, not gonna,
0: I'm not gonna get it
1: that was good context so i'll give you some partial credit there but it's called a gaffy stick or a gader um wow. yeah so, either, either one of those. Can so, oh for, for 1, but, but you did give some good context, so, so I'll definitely take that into consideration. Question number two is, what is the name of the Freedom Fighter who fought alongside Mace Windu and Amagun Dai in the Clone Wars? Twi'lek Freedom Fighter.
0: Um, um it's not uh, it's not anyone re- is it someone related to Hera is it one of those characters
1: it is Hera's um, father
0: what's his name I should know this <laughs> oh my goodness
1: he's also in um, the bad batch and yeah
0: now. um sindulaula champ
1: sindula Champs and Syndulla is correct. Yes. So are... Yes. <laughs> that was really impressive. I don't know how. You... Yeah, that was good. That was very good. Um, it was yeah, an, Champs Syndulla an... is the orange skinned Twi'lek um, who is very influential on Ryloth and yes, is the father of Harrison Syndulla who is one of the main characters in Rebels. So you're one for two um, going into question number three which is what is Captain Rex's identification number? This one's hard. This one's very hard.
0: I'm trying to think the Umbra, arc. Yeah, that's it.
1: that's the best shot you got is, yeah, and so yeah for for context, um, yeah, clones all have numbers aside from their personal names that they either give themselves or are given by their brothers or Jedi generals. Um,
0: I want to say that it has twos in it and it has sevens in it. Um, it's like. I'm just
1: gonna.
0: Uh. <laughs> I'm gonna go just CT seven two
1: two seven. That is pretty correct, or not pretty correct? It's pretty close. It's actually <laughs> CT seventy five sixty seven. Uh, um, and so yeah. I think you might have been getting it confused with FN two one eight seven because that one's got the mm. two in there, and that's Finn's number. Uh, so that's probably
0: where from
1: very close but not quite uh you went one four three with some pretty pretty close answers i gotta say as the jedi council i i don't think that you're quite ready for the rank of master yet but okay but i think that you you've shown a lot of promise and i think that you're you're very close i think you're close you yeah, can maybe have a seat back.
2: on the council but not be a master. Yeah, yeah i think i must have to t- tell you to take a seat
1: take a seat you're on this council we we do not grant you the rank of um that that was a really good showing though i think that yeah all the knowledge about the the gaffy stick was really good and obviously I, i'm i'm impressed that you got the cham after as long as you did i mean uh, that was that was it was good. In there. i knew it was in there <laughs> i respect that man and then yeah the identification number is just tricky if you don't um yeah it, it's it's just tricky because it's not really mentioned other than umbara yeah but it was a good showing all all the same luke congratulations on padawan and yeah caleb will definitely have you back on and you'll you'll get another crack at it but um yes. that being said that's about all that we have for rank of master let's dive into a little bit more Four! I didn't say I didn't say it correctly. I normally say this wouldn't be a proper episode if I didn't leave you with just a little bit more. And that kind of threw <laughs> me off my rocker. But anyways, um what we uh what I have for you today is that Arrakis worms can grow up to two thousand four hundred and sixty feet in length. And uh, what we compared them to earlier were crate dragons, and they only grow up to around hundred and forty seven feet. So Arrakis worms are quite a bit bigger. Um, and just based on that scale, I would assume that like Crate dragons are only the size of the, like in like a, a juvenile arachis worm at that point. So, just kind of some interesting numbers, but that's about all that I have, Luke, Caleb. Any final thoughts?
0: Go Twin Sun Talks. Listen to Twin Sun Talks wherever you find your podcasts
1: and follow Thanks them on Instagram. <laughs> Appreciate that. Thank you very much.
2: Yeah. I'll just also say, yeah, read read the book of Dune and watch the movie. Movie um, the 2021, we didn't actually talk about that, but the 2021, I haven't seen the old one, but the 2021 one is probably one of my favorite movies. It's just beautiful uh, cinematically and just a pretty amazing adaption of the book. So read the book, watch the movie, and also Star Wars is good too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> most definitely, most definitely. And uh, yeah, we didn't end up talking about the 80s version, but maybe maybe another time. Maybe we can all watch it and then come back and and, and talk about it a little bit more. But um, but yeah, love to hear it and appreciate y'all both coming on. Um, and yeah, like Caleb said, follow us on Instagram at Twin Sun Talks. Subscribe to us on YouTube, Twin Sun Talks Podcast. And follow and listen wherever you get your podcast by searching Twin Sun Talks. That's about all that I have. Thank you for listening to this ability to speak. And you've taken your first steps into a larger world. May the Force be with you. And I will see y'all in the next episode. Bye, friends.